What I have figured out is visiting different versions of myself in this life. I haven't past life stuff yet. I do get visited by ancestors in meditations, which is pretty cool. But in terms of like my experience with my own self, it's something that I kind of figured out accidentally and probably TMI, it started during a bubble bath. And welcome to another episode of Get Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray, founder of the Bra Network. And joining me today is a fabulous bra member, Crystal Whitaker. She is a former photographer turned thought leader, turned game changer, turned disruptor with her new book. A quick bio about her. She is a leadership development DEIB consultant for brands that care about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging human-focused core values. Also, fun fact, Crystal has the ability to meditate and get into her former past lives. She literally has access to her own metaverse. Can we start with that? Because I just watched the movie Everywhere, All at Once. What's it? Everywhere? Oh, everything, Everywhere, All everywhere, at Once. All I at just once. watched it too. And first off, it was so good. Did you like it? I, I, I have mixed feelings about it because it was a lot. It was, it It was was, a lot of stimulation, a lot of, (laughs) yes, a lot of stimulation, but at the end, by the, by the end, I got the core premise and I was like, oh, okay. I even found myself feeling really emotional because of the mother daughter dynamic by the end. I was like, oh, this resonates. Yeah. (laughs) There was one point when I was like, okay, our fingers are hot dogs. What, what's happening in this movie? Am I, that was weird. I I was like, (laughs) But again, at, it was the end that got me as well. Like, and you call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I texted but, my mom. <laughs> so let's start with this. Let's start. Tell me about your meditation practice and how it's evolved in this ability to like say, hey, Crystal, how are you doing over there in the 1800s? I don't know. Tell us. Well, okay. So I do want to like clarify that I haven't figured that component out. What I have figured out is vi- visiting different versions of myself in this life. I haven't past life stuff yet. I do get visited by ancestors in meditations, which is pretty cool. But in terms of like my experience with my own self, it's something that I kind of figured out accidentally and probably TMI. It started during a bubble bath. (laughs) I like that. There's there's nothing, nothing is TMI here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it, It started in a bubble bath where I was just like trying to really ground myself. I was going through a hard time during the time that I accidentally stumbled upon this ability and being in the warm water triggered memories of other times that I've gone through tough times and bubble baths. I'm always drawn to water. I think it's probably like the Aries fire in me that needs that like douse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And just found myself meditating and not, it wasn't even like imagining it's like I was there with other versions of myself during times that I had taken baths. And then it just became this practice where now I can go into a meditation and literally go back to spaces. A really good friend of mine, who's much, much more well-versed in spirituality than myself says that it's a special form of meditation called timeline meditation. Oh, interesting. So you can like really, you can envision yourself 
in that space and time and give yourself what you needed. It's it's really cool. I've I've figured out how to do it in a loop of up to six or seven versions of myself at this point, which is cool. Like one wow. version goes back to the previous version and then that version goes to the one before and it's just becomes this circular thing. Oh, wow. Do they ever argue with each other? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's definitely something that's like, a. it's very much a love focused self-care process. It's incredibly healing for me because think about any time you've ever been going through a tough time in your life where you just, that th those feelings of despair and uncertainty are coming up and not knowing what you need or not feeling like you're getting what you need, but then to find yourself at a different point in life where you're like, if I could go back, what, what would I say to myself? What would I give myself? How would I love myself in that moment? And doing that, it's really healing. Oh, I love that. I'm of course now thinking of like uh, times I wish I could go back and say, Carrie, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, like you're going to, you're going to get past this or like enjoy this moment. Cause it's, you're not going to see this person, you know, in, in three years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's really powerful. I really, I, I do love the woo. I do love, I try to meditate. I'm not great at it, but that's someone told me that's why it's called a practice. Uh -huh. And so I'm practicing meditating more. I'm also trying to practice journaling more because my mind goes, I'm an Aquarius. So I'm just like squirrel. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's why we get along. Mm -hmm. Yes. My when you best... said Aries, I was like, oh, it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. My best friend of like 25 years is an Aquarius, like literally yeah. the heir to my fire. <laughs> yeah. So that is, it's very true. When you said Aries, you, you are literally what we fuel each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yeah. So that all makes sense to me now too. Well, that's cool. What are we talking just kidding. Okay. Now, before we get into the the great, I got, I got the pleasure of reading the book before it was published. That's right. I like to consider myself VIP. You are. Tell our listeners, a lot of them are feeling the same way you probably did a while ago when you were getting ready to start writing your book. You had this passion. You saw this need. You had already been, because you had done a workshop with Bra around, you know, diversity and inclusion in your branding, and you were kind of towing the line. And it finally was to the point that you were deciding to write a book. What, what kind of like pushed you to be like, all right, I got to write a book. When did you get to that moment of like, it's time? Well, I've always wanted to write a book. I didn't know it would be this kind of book. And it came down to a decision. It was like, maybe I'll start a podcast. And then I really thought about it and all, I mean, you run a podcast, so you know everything that goes into it. And the way that I would want to run a podcast, I didn't have all of the resources at the time, to, time, energy, all of it to be editor. able to, yeah, all of those <laughs> things. Right. And I'm like, well, where is this coming from? And like, what, what have I always wanted to do? I really sat down and thought about the things that I've aspired to do and be, and the idea of a podcast was relatively new, but writing a book was something I always wanted to do. And writing has always come very naturally to me. It's, it's my first love. And so it was like, let me, let me write a book. Let me do that thing. The thing that I feel like I can inherently figure out and the podcast, you know, it can always come later. So it was really a choice of like, I want to be able to create content that is more accessible because I know not everybody can work with me directly. And that was the choice, a book or a podcast. 
Gotcha. And you, well, I think you chose wisely because the podcast, it's not just you, right? It's like, do you bring a guest? Do you, Mm -hmm. how long do I record? Do I have to stay on top? You know, it's a lot of where a book is very, it's mine. How did you find the discipline to sit and write? Because (laughs) writing to me is very challenging. I will do geometry. I'll do a Sudoku puzzle before I have to sit again, journaling. It's hard. So I'm so curious how you found the discipline to sit and write. Breaking it down. So I I actually have to give some credit to our lovely friend, Paige Ray. Yeah. Because I initially was thinking, okay, like here's my outline here, the things I want to write about and sat down. I did, you know, the introduction and I got through chapter one and then I got stumped and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? And she's like, Hey, you know, you don't have to write it in order. And I was like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) She's so smart. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, you don't have to write it just like write what comes out of you naturally. And then you can organize it. I was like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) that was, that was super helpful advice. And then I am just, I'm naturally a good teacher and somebody else had advised me. They were like, you know, you're a really good teacher. You could just teach your classes and then pull your content for the book from there. So in 2021, I did a whole series of master classes and taught the classes. And one of the things that I I wanted to make sure with the book was that it was relatable in a way that people could connect to it and not just feel like they were being spat at with a bunch of information. Mm -hmm. So I taught classes and just created the material in a way that like, if, if we were speaking, if I were in front of you, this is how I would share this information and wrote it in that format. And it was much easier to do. And then once I had the meat, then I was able to go in and fill things in. And then I knew, okay, well, this is the topic. Who do I need to speak with? Because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just my voice, that other voices were shared. Mm-hmm. And Thankfully, I know a lot of really incredible humans that were willing to share their time with me to give perspective for the book. And we just kind of filled everything in and hired an editor and went back and forth. And it was just, I mean, it was a very long process, but I think breaking it down, not getting stuck on, oh, I have to go in this order. I have to do do it at this time and paying attention to my own natural energy Cause there, there are people who will say like, you need to have a writing schedule that doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm too much of like a, like textbook creative and that, like, I really do go with the flow of the energy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it was me up writing at two in the morning because that's when my brain woke up and was like, Hey, I have this idea. And I just went <laughs> with it. So I don't, I mean, take, take what feels good for you if you're tuning into this, but that was my process. Did you use a coach or did you feel like you were able to like working with other people and interviewing them or getting their perspective, you were able to put it together yourself pretty well? There, there was a a program that I had invested in that gave me, you know, kind of the, the key things to look out for. And I pulled some information from it, but what was, what ended up being the most helpful to me actually was my editor. Ah. Um, yeah, there are programs and my the editor that I hired, she actually has a program available, which I didn't know about when I sought her out, but she was the most helpful because I've, I'm a reader. I've read a lot of books. So I, I had an idea of the type of structure that I wanted to follow. And then it became a matter of having that editor support 
in going through my content and basically checking me for consistency mm -hmm. and checking me for, you know, maybe you could expand here. And also, ooh, this was super helpful, beta readers. <laughs> having beta readers for the first and second draft where they were asking, like they would ask clarifying questions on pieces of content. Everybody got their own Google doc. <laughs> uh -huh. And so they could put comments and notes in and their, the questions from beta readers helped me expand in areas where they were like, I want to know more about this. I love that. I love yeah. that. That's great. So you wrote the book, got a great editor, did a couple drafts. Now it's time to publish which route did you take self-publish? I mean, I know, but tell the audience which route self-publish or find a publishing firm, I guess they're called. Yeah. I decided to self-publish mostly because I wanted ownership and control over my content because the book is rooted in a framework that I developed. It's the Align Values Framework. And it's what I use with my coaching and consulting clients to get them rooted in their brand messaging and their values. And I didn't want to put myself in a scenario where the content that I know already works may have been required to be reworked or repositioned. I'm like, nope, I really wanted that ownership and control. I'm not against traditional publishing. I will probably do that in the future because it was a lot. <laughs> to yeah. self-publish. But for this one, being my first book and just having content that I know works well, I didn't want to have to have conversations around fighting for the presentation of it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I get that. That's, and I actually have had multiple podcast guests who were self-published authors and it's still an interesting conversation, self-published, publishing. It's like getting an agent, but you don't have an agent and it's like, what are you, what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. Uh, I love that. Okay. Well now let's, let's get into the book itself. Where in your career were you starting to see these blips of like, oh, wait a minute, this branding doesn't really, this branding, hmm, I'm not sure. Like, where did this kind of stem from this idea or has it always resonated with you? Have you always been kind of aware of the disparity and equity and inclusion and in how people talk, how people write, how people post on Instagram, you know, like, has this always been something you've been really tuned in on? I would say on a subconscious level, just living in the world as a queer, black, biracial woman, there's mm -hmm. always something that feels a little off about certain things, but the, the biggest light bulb for me was being a, a wedding and lifestyle photographer and noticing when I first got into the wedding industry as a photographer and, you know, submitting images to publications and noticing what mainstream publications were putting out. And this was back, you know, 2016, 2017. And there wasn't a lot of diversity and representation unless it was, you know, Black History Month or Pride Month sure. with, you mm -hmm. know, the occasional sprinkling of diverse imagery here and there. And it was really frustrating to me. And because I just was naturally building this really inclusive photography brand, people that were hiring me were telling me, I mean, clients were like, you know, we've been looking for a photographer that we would feel comfortable and welcome with 
who we could trust would be able to properly photograph our skin tones. I, you know, I had a lot of clients that were people of color, a lot of interracial couples and photographers tuning in who are really well-versed on exposure and all of that can understand what I mean when we're talking about photographing interracial couples, like you have to, it's a skill. And not only do you need that skill, you also need to be able to genuinely connect with people and make them feel seen and understood and capture them for who they are. And the wedding industry, honestly, just the mainstream wedding industry frustrated me so much for the lack of representation on a regular basis. And I was real vocal about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I liked you. And, and not only race and other types of couples, but size. So when mm -hmm. I got married, I was like, well, fuck, I got to lose like 40 pounds before I can get married. Look at these women and yeah. tall, thin and blonde. And I was none of those things. Not naturally. Anyway, these are not, my hair's not naturally blonde. <laughs> so it started in photography. Yeah. That's right. When I met you is when I remember going to your website and I remember meeting you at rising tide society. And there was an event that happened and you were talking about this openly. I can get it. If we're still in Des Moines, or something mm -hmm. like that. And if you're listening from Des Moines, go look around mm -hmm. <laughs> and find yeah. the inclusion there. But so from that experience, did that lead you to create the, the workshop, the mastermind, or what made you pivot from, you know, photography and talking about this, creating this inclusive environment to then being like, you know what, I think I need to teach this and lead this. Yeah. It was actually people asking me, it, ah. because they were paying attention and people asking me of like, wow, your business is so rep diverse and representative in terms of the portfolio that I had as a photographer. And it started with people in the wedding industry vendors, you know, Hey, can you help me with this? And I was like, there's something here. And because I had also been at that point when people started coming to me, I was also edging into brand photography so I had kind of created this, this double piece of like, all right, we're going to do your photos, but we also need to make sure that whatever photos we're doing is connected to the messaging that you're putting out and it needs to be inclusive. Yeah. And so it was just this natural evolution and people asked me and I'm like, there's definitely something here. So I created a couple of classes, held a couple of workshops that did really well. And I was like, okay. And it, and it came, it just felt, it felt so aligned. I, I remember feeling this just like fire in my belly, so to speak of like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, this is where I feel the most empowered and empowering. Yeah. You, you definitely light up when you talk about it. Like just right now, your, your whole, you know, yeah. posture change, you got excited where when you're like wedding photography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's like, I loved the couples I got to work with. They were delightful, but the wedding industry, and it's just like that, the energy that it takes. Ugh. I didn't have that <laughs> same energy and fire and passion for wedding photography that I do for like, let's make sure that we are creating inclusive spaces where people can feel that sense of belonging. Yeah. I love that. And you know, Wendy Ryan, Wendy Ryan was also a guest on the podcast and we had talked about you there and how you had supported her brand and creating the branding and the messaging to be inclusive. What pushback have you experienced? Do you get people that are just like, oh, this is a trend all the letters, the LGBTQ plus IA, ABCDFG, this is all just something that's happening now. Do you get that pushback? And how do you, if you do, how do you manage it? How do you navigate it? 
Mm. So what's really interesting, the people that I work with, they, they come ready. They're like, yep, let's do this. I know it's going to be, you know, there might be some uncomfortable bits. I don't get a lot of trolls or haters online periodically, but stuff like that. I just don't give it my energy. It's usually like a block and delete thing. <laughs> Honestly, sadly, where I have found the most challenge is interpersonal relationships, family and, and things like yeah. that, where they're like, you know, it's great that you've taken this career path, but like, not everything is about this. And I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> actually, it's where we start. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually been the hardest about doing this work is being met with people where like, I thought we could talk about anything and turns out we can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a great therapist once tell me just because they're your family doesn't mean you have to like them. You can love them, but it doesn't mean you have to like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone had shared with me, it was a similar sentiment of, you know, like my value and my worth isn't predicated on whether or not my family or close friends are ready to do those examinations themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was not what I was expecting you to say, but I get it. I get it. Families, families and friends are tricky when you're growing and they want you to be the same crystal you were 20 years ago. And you're like, no, I said bye to her. She would served me well. And now here I am growing. But it also makes room, right? It does for new people, new, mm -hmm. new people to that want to be in your stratosphere. They want to be like, I want to hang out with you. So tell me this, you know, your ideal client feeling, you know, what kind of, what, what kind of pain or points are they feeling before they're like, I need someone to look at my website, or I need someone to like, give me a, their honest opinion is my language inclusive? Am I like, what kind of feelings are they having before they want to find you? Mm, so it's, it's a couple of things the, the most common one is like, I want to do this. I think I'm kind of doing it, but I'm really worried about being performative. Like, I don't want people to think that I'm just doing it because it's like how you were talking about earlier. Oh, it's trendy. First of all, it's not, it's not trendy. We're talking about advancing society in the way that we interact for the betterment of everybody. So if that is a concern that anybody has where they are worried about what people are going to think when they start incorporating inclusive messaging and practices, I'm your girl. And another one that has, has come up as well is people who maybe, maybe you found yourself in conversation or you're reading an article or you see something on social media and it resonates in a way that makes you think, oh, dang, maybe I'm not quite as inclusive as I thought. I was being those, those are the two main feelings that come up that people share where they're like, this happened. And like, I didn't realize that it, it was going to be harmful in some way, shape or form. How can I reduce the possibilities or prevent this from happening again in the future? Sure. Also, you know, I know for my own self is recognizing inherent biases oh, yeah. that I, that I had that I was like, oh, wait a minute, where did that come from? It would be really like, there were times when I really, especially in my like college years, I was like, wait a minute, why, why do I have that immediate reaction? And then I'd have, to, you know, it takes a lot of self-discovery and like work practice mm -hmm. everything. So yeah. tell me, are you, are you, I know that you have the book and you're doing a lot of speaking on the book. Are you still offering the masterclass? Are you still supporting brands still, you know, as someone who could like, I'm thinking for you, like, you need to be like at Google and, you know, Amazon need to be calling you and be like, let me check out your branding right now. Mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your sweet spot? Do you want to work with big clients like that? Or you want to kind of focus on the 
the book and the tour and I know I do want to work with bigger clients now that the book is out into the world and transparency this is kind of like that thing of hey I've written the book <laughs> yeah. now I can come and help you implement these strategies in your organization so yes to that that of wanting to work with larger clients absolutely and I because now everything is built out all, all of the frameworks are there and it's just a matter of hey these are the options that are available for your team your organization leadership whatever that looks like i have workshops that we can do we have coaching if you want to do provide coaching for your team or get coaching for yourself that's something that we can work on as well tell me about the mastermind what happens in there so the mastermind it's a six-month mastermind and it follows the aligned values framework and it goes through all six steps so clarify inclusion connect which is how you want to connect in spaces organizations any any space where you are sharing your energy with people root which is all of the value stuff which i know you and i have worked on before yep. mm -hmm. disrupt which is all the bias work embody which is where you pull all of that together to make sure you're actually embodying a leadership style that is reflective of those values values and inclusive and then create. So what are you going to do to make sure that the messaging and everything that you put out into the world is in alignment with all of the things that you say you value and the commitments that you've made to being an inclusive leader? Love that. I love that. We, I actually have someone on, you know, my team now that is, does exactly that. She comes in and kind of watches over, like, how are we being inclusive? Let's make sure she's kind of like supports me and my team to learn, but also just like, oh, we might want to, you know, check our pronouns or, you know, just little things like that yeah. can make such a huge impact for people who were, you know, searching for, like for my example, for a community to join and everything. So I think it's really, really important. And I really feel like it should be, you know, when you're making your business plan, I feel like there should be this section. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I I have said that multiple times. Inclusion should not be an add-on. It needs to be intrinsic to everything that you develop. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I love all of this. Give me like a common mistake you see. And maybe it's they don't know they're making the mistake, but what's something that you're just like, okay, I see this a lot that you see brands, maybe newer brands use or, you know, got grandfathered brands in. What's a common error you see in the DEI space? Allyship. <laughs> where i mean we, we see it a lot it's it's rampant during pride month where oh yeah the, the rainbow washing and all of those things where it's the the imagery and in support of certain communities but on the on a deeper systemic and operational side of the business like they haven't done any of that deep work to really make sure that they are honoring what they are putting out visually so it's like here you know here's all the visuals here's here's the rainbows or here's the the blm sign the black but, square yeah or that <laughs> <laughs> but then when you kind of get down into the messaging you know you'll see ableist language and messaging or things that aren't inclusive things that could be considered microaggressions or harmful to certain communities that are really easy for people to overlook but if you are really invested and committed to inclusive practices, then taking the time to tear, like tear everything apart, get down to the bones and rebuild it. If you have to, if you're really, truly committed. Yeah. God, 
I love all of this so much. I remember in my, when I was a teacher, I was in a credential program that was considered, you know, oh, we're radical. We're, we're, we're not taking the typical approach to teaching. And the, one of the first things they taught us is that we should not be celebrating Black History Month, Asian American Month, Bride Month, that we should be celebrating these individuals all year round, right? It should be like, oh, you know, this person's birthday's in June, but it's not Pride Month. That's not this month, so we can't celebrate them. No, let's celebrate them all the time, right? And I remember bringing that to my school. So here I was, oh, I'm a social justice educator. Let's come in and do this. And the pushback I got was astounding to me of how many were like, no, we have to have the Martin Luther King parade. We do it every year. And I'm like, so I eventually left that school. You see it everywhere. And I completely agree with you when I see Oh, it's June. We've got to put up the rainbow flag. Oh, we've got to recognize the the people that are black in February. But we can't talk about them all year round. It's 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 extremely frustrating for me, and I'm hyper hyper aware of it when I see it. That it just like really turns me off. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard. Not to say. I mean, I. I- I love Pride Month. I love Black History Month, but I also am celebrating my people all year. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's nice to have the recognition, but if you're not doing anything outside of those months, performative. Right. Well, yeah, you're not only a queer in June. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a queer all year. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, tell us we are a company or brand listening to this and you're like, yeah, I need to get. I need to get on this with my branding. Where can a business owner find you and learn more about your mastermind? Uh, Yes. So crystallily.co and that's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-L-I-L-Y.co. And from there, there's all the links. You can find the social media stuff. You can find the links to my book, Brave Leadership is a Choice. And there is a entire page dedicated to the mastermind and other solutions that are available. Love that. Love that. And we're definitely going to put all of this in the show notes. So if you're driving in your car right now, don't type it in your phone, keep your phone down. You're going to park and then go back and look at all of this. And we'll also definitely link the book. I got the pleasure of reading the book. There are moments when I was like, I had to put it down and really be like, damn, she's right. (laughs) So it was really good. Really, really flick. And I actually got a copy for everyone in my team to read it. You as well. did? Thank yeah, you. I did. Yeah. I so love I, that. Yeah. It was after I read it, I was like, okay, this is everyone's homework. And it's created actually really great discussion among us. You know, I actually just rewrote our entire mission based on what I got from your book. I all of it, the core values, mission of raw, it's all changed. Oh, um, so, thank you for sharing that with yeah, me. Everyone needs to have a moment of reflection and don't just put up a word salad because you want to sound like, you know, in my case, the best community in the world for entrepreneurs, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was like, no, no, no. I want to be really specific about who I'm looking for and also who needs to stay away. Yeah. This is not your jam. Then you, then that's okay. This is not the community for you. Yeah. Um, that's a testimonial. Put that on your website. <laughs> I was going to ask him, like, could I get you to write a review for the book? That was stellar. I absolutely, oh, you should. <laughs> absolutely. On, I'll do it on the Amazon. 
or wherever you want me to do it. Yeah, Amazon is great. Cause I feel like that's where most people are going, but like, yeah. thank you for sharing this with me. I had no yeah. idea that it had that deep of an impact. Oh yeah, me. for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like we created a book club, but before we wrap up, of course, we've got to get carried away. My w- favorite thing in the world is to start with the things that you are obsessed about. You get carried away about, is it puppies? Is it, you know, plants? I just remember on our last podcast, you were in a hammock. And there was this beautiful plant behind you. So that's what made me think of plants. But what's something you are obsessed about? What's something you get carried away about? I mean, the plants, it's it's definitely a thing. I'm like a massive plant mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the beach, I just, I, I really, really need, and I, I need my beach time. And when it was raining in LA and it was cold and wet, It was very depressing for me. So yeah, love the beach. And I, being obsessed on the beach, I'm like a stone and shell collector and all of that. It's, it's almost like a, a moving meditative practice for me to just be able to walk on the beach and collect shells and put my feet in the water, even if it's freezing. It's my thing. Yeah. I love that. I love the beach too. One of my favorite places. I'll go when it's raining. I'm not as happy about it, but I just love it. <laughs> Seeing the water come in and out, it just feels almost cleansing, like, and the sound yeah. of it going back oh, and forth. Yeah. I, okay. I love the beach too. And I talk to the ocean too. Like, yeah. I'm, I don't think I've ever lived in a, no, I haven't. I've never lived in a place that was landlocked. I've always lived on a, a coast. So, and then the opposite obviously is, Two or three things that people get so obsessed about, they get so carried away about that you can't even wrap your head or understand that they would even do that. For example, for myself, I know a lot of people are really into, hold on, what's the show? White Lotus. I've oh. never seen it. I've never seen an episode. I have really no, no desire. Doesn't I read the book and didn't like it. So I'm just like, what is this? So that's something I keep seeing so much about, but that's me. Not, not into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I could take them or leave them like Marvel movies, you know, superhero oh. movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could take them or leave them. Same thing with like the office. People love the office or parks and rec. Like I, mm, it's just not my thing. <laughs> no, not my jam. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love that. Okay. And see what usually happens to my guests is after this call, they think of like four other things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and coffee. So many people come for me when they're like, what do you mean you don't like coffee? <laughs> you don't like coffee? No, I don't. Right here. <laughs> okay. So I will, the, my reason for not liking coffee, my first, it wasn't my first, first job, but like my first job in high school was at McDonald's and on the weekends they would stick me in the drive-through window and part of the job of like passing out the food was also I had to make the coffee and so smelling McDonald's coffee every weekend for however I think I worked there for like two years in high school I just never got on board (laughs) no I understand that. I definitely became a coffee snob. I remember when I met my husband, he had instant coffee and I was like, oh, we're breaking up. Like what is this? <laughs> yeah. I get, I don't like chocolate and people really don't understand not liking chocolate. And people get really angry about me when they're like, have some, I'm like, oh, I don't really like chocolate. That's interesting. Yes. yes right? <laughs> don't like, but if there is a bag of chips, I'm in. <laughs> I like salty more than sweet, just like my men. (laughs) Just kidding, kidding, honey. No, he's not listening. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) 
we've been married 18 years. It's okay. <laughs> oh gosh, that is that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. 18? Yeah, 18, 18 years this November. Okay. Wow. 17 years feels like a long time. It's it's been great. It is a long time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Crystal, for joining me, getting carried away. Everyone's gonna go to crystallily.co and check out all your resources, the mastermind as well as your book available at all fun places to buy books, maybe support a small bookstore, a local bookstore and get it there. And if they don't have it, guess what? They'll order it for you. They they will. will They have that access. My favorite bookstore. Please, please plug it. Y'all. If you are in LA, go to the salt eaters in Inglewood ask for my book. The owners are wonderful. And if you're not in LA, you can order it from the salt eaters on bookshop.org too. Yes. Yes. Amazon is struggling though, Crystal. How are they going to make ends meet? You know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm on Amazon for the reviews. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll direct link then to your website then. Yeah. Fuck Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but go to Amazon write a review. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been great. And to all my guests, please check out Crystal, all the amazing work she's doing and grab her book. Thanks, Crystal. Thanks so much, Carrie. 